This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. You're listening to the Danny Mac Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. And thanks for coming back to the Danny Mac Podcast on the Bed Rivers Podcast Network. My name is Dan McNeil. Glad you're with me today as we bring in week 18 of the NFL season and so much on the line this weekend in Green Bay for the Packers who have put themselves in a position to go play often and the Bears can be a thorn in their side. That should be a fun way to finish the 2023 season, even though it won't include playoffs for Matt Eberflus's Chicago Bears. If you missed it earlier in the week, I'm saying that those reports you heard over the weekend are correct. Eberflus is coming back. I don't think there's much doubt about that. I'll be very much surprised if we're doing a Black Monday show that includes the Bears head coach after this weekend's activity. Two games on Saturday and then everything wraps up Sunday, no Monday nighter this week in the 18th week of the season. Eberflus will survive. What do they do with Fields, who has yet to beat the Packers in five career starts? I think he's coming back. That's just a gut feeling. We'll see. He's 0-5 against Green Bay. He's thrown five interceptions with only four touchdown passes. And in those five starts against the Packers, he has a passer rating of 78.2. Man, what a chance. What a chance for Fields to turn the minds of people who are on the fence. And it should be fun. They start at 325 on Sunday afternoon. I am excited about it. I'm staying away from the game, although the total is tempting to go under. It's 45. I can see both teams succeeding offensively, but I also think the Bears' defense has been so stingy these last few weeks. I kind of lean toward Green Bay having to muscle it out more than Chicago. So if I were if I were going anywhere on this game, I would be taking the the over. Um, but I'm. I'm not that in love with it. What I am in love with are the Baltimore Ravens after acquiring Dalvin Cook. How did that happen? Boy, does that give the Ravens a boost, huh? And a reason to sign up for a Ravens game. How many times have you said, hey, what time do the Ravens kick? Gus Edwards may be getting the ball a lot today. Or Justice Hill, the rookie. Dalvin Cook, I thought was going to make a huge difference for the Jets this year. As went down Rodgers one week into the season, so did plans for Dalvin Cook. I I don't know what happened there. He had fewer carries this year than he did in his rookie year with the Vikings in 2017 when he got hurt in the fourth game of the season and missed the rest of the year. That's right. He played in four games as a rookie out of Florida State, and he had more carries then. Then he had this year in 15 games with the Jets. Shame on the Jets for not recognizing him, but it's Baltimore's benefit because they get a guy who should be very fresh and I think very potent and a guy who had great speed 
Outside of Hennepin County, Minnesota, I don't think the NFL world knew how good Dalvin Cook was when he was at the peak of his of his abilities. 2020 season when he rushed for almost 1,600 yards and he was an all-pro. Man, is he good. And boy, does that give the Ravens a nice bump going into this postseason. They get a bye in round one, and then they get him acclimated. They get him going. That's right now at Bed Rivers, three to one on the Baltimore Ravens to win the Super Bowl in Las Vegas, Super Bowl 58. I want to let you know that you can get extra value this football season with Bet Rivers Squares. Win up to $10,000 in bonus money. Bet $10 in same game parlays with the squares icon to earn a square. I want to challenge myself this morning to give you, uh, to, to paint a picture with words, to make a landscape with words as I describe to you why Lambeau Field is everything they say it is. And you've heard, maybe you've said it, um, so many great things about the hallowed halls of Lambeau Field. What a glorious place, the Mecca, right? It's where football was meant to be played, the frozen tundra of Lambeau Field. I've been there double-digit number of times, and I've seen a lot of Bears-Packers games. I want to get into a couple of memories of the three that stand out the most in a minute, but I want to try to share with you why I think you should make Lambeau Field a destination if you have not experienced a game there. And if you haven't experienced a game there in the 21st century, it has changed radically since the phase one part of the renovation at the early part of the new millennium, and they didn't leave to get that done. They stayed there while working on the expansion project. So the team didn't lose any money or have to travel to Madison the way the Bears had to travel to Champaign when they uh, when they were redoing Soldier Field. And then Phase 2 was done about, uh, what, 15 years or so ago, adding more seats to the north end zone. So if you haven't been there since those renovations have been made and they added the new atrium and moved the Packers Hall of Fame facility at to Lambeau Field from across the street, you need to give it another run. Here is what makes it so special. And it's let me let me get you to the ballpark. We're going to I'm going to take you to the ballpark and we're going to get out of the car. We're not going to pay Green Bay money. We're not going to pay the Packers their exorbitant what 15 bucks or whatever it is they charge for a place to park the car. We're going to park on the south side of Lambeau in a residential neighborhood less than 3 quarters of a mile to our gate. And we're going to pay somebody who lives in one of those, you know, 1,500 square foot ranch homes with aluminum siding, 10 bucks to park in the front lawn because they do it, you know, eight, nine times a year. They rent out their lawns, their backyards, their driveways, and chances are excellent. You may have heard this over the years. I can vouch it's true. Maybe for your 10 bucks, they will offer you a bratwurst and a beer. It's very good. A very good possibility that, that happens. It happened to me the first time I did it in 1989. And I said, man, it's true. I thought that was rural legend. I didn't think they actually did that here off of, uh, off of Lombardi Avenue, but they do. What they did so brilliantly with the renovation of Lambeau Field was they saved the history and the authentic feel of an era gone by and married it to creature comforts of modern technology, architecture, and construction for major sports venues. They have made it 
a state-of-the-art facility that still has some old-school feel to it. When they bricked the stadium, they did away with the old industrial-looking green walls that were sort of intimidating. It kind of looked like a prison as you were, <laughs> you know, within a mile of it, and you start to get it into focus when you look out the that green painted brick and green sheet metal that enveloped the 59,000-seat arena, which was named Lambeau Field a couple months after Curly Lambeau died in 59. It originally was called City Stadium, and originally only 25,000 seats, but they moved it to 59,000 and then started adding and adding and adding, and now you can get 81,000 people comfortably in Lambeau Field. So by adding the atrium, they give Packers fans a choice of restaurants and gift shops And by keeping it open on 24-7, and this doesn't have anything to do with your game day experience, but it's smart business, the Packers, by keeping their Hall of Fame facility at Lambeau Field, everything they sell in that gift shop goes in their pockets. They don't have to share that revenue. If you sell a Green Bay Packers jersey, if a Jordan Love jersey gets sold at Dick's Sporting Goods, 32 teams in the NFL share a piece of it. If the Packers sell a Jordan Love jersey at Lambeau Field, Green Bay gets 100% of the profits. That's why you do it 365, 24-7. It's open on Christmas Day. (laughs) Not much into Christmas. Want to do something different next year? Go, Go visit the Packers Hall of Fame. They're open for business. Unlike what Justin Fields says, there are things to do other than go to football games in Green Bay baiting Packers fans as it was described or ripping Packers fans nonsense if the guy didn't say anything don't tease me with a headline that steers me in the wrong directions the yellow journalism that's well being passed off as journalism in this internet era I digress back to Lambeau Field and and back to the conveniences of having restaurants and nice things to do inside the facility. It is a spacious concourse. The bathrooms have been renovated. It is no longer peeing in a trough and, uh, you know, a urinal that by halftime is, is not functioning and you have to wade through the waters of Lambeau field. Uh, (laughs) it's, uh, it's there. There are no bad seats in soldier in Lambeau Field. Some of them are higher than you'd like to be, perhaps, especially when they when they added seats in both end zones. And the south end zone was the most recent, and I, I think that was zero seven or zero eight when they went made it a little bit more vertical. There are great seats everywhere in Lambeau Field. The people are very very friendly. The traditions are good. People are nice to you. Uh, Wisconsin people, typically, if I can paint with a broad brush, it's it's a positive stereotype, are, are nice people. And I think the Lambeau experience is enhanced, enhanced by a welcoming home fan base. Typically, things are done within reason. I'm not saying there aren't fights or arrests made at every game, whether the Packers are playing the Bears or uh, Taylor Heineke's Atlanta Falcons. People, when they drink too much, they do dumb things. They don't even have to drink too much. Sometimes sports brings out the animal enough in people. 
but usually behavior is pretty good at Lambeau Field, where traditions are kept alive on the walls by the names and numerals of Packers from eras gone by, the great Willie Wood, number 24, Ray Nitschke's number 66, Tony Canadeo, Ayo, Canadeo, I think he was number five, Johnny Blood McNally, who I understand was quite a swordsman in his private time. Uh, all of the Packers greats, you feel the tradition. It just feels like football there. It really, really does. And I know that sounds cliche, but to me, it's the absolute truth. It uh, it backs what it says it does. The Lambeau Leap created in 1993 by Packers safety Leroy Butler out of Florida State. He got into the Hall of Fame for creating that celebration. Robert Brooks took it next level because he was a wide receiver on the receiving end of many Brett Favre touchdown passes. So he got the Lambeau Leap a lot more than uh, the defensive players did. But uh, nonetheless, Lambeau Field has has been host to some historic games in NFL history. The Frozen Tundra, as described by John Facenda in NFL films from the 1967 NFL championship game between the Packers and Dallas Cowboys. Bob Hayes, the Cowboys' speedy wide receiver, who was more of a track star than he was a football player, but he was a good football player. I mean, he wasn't that cat the Rams had, Ron Brown, a few years ago, an Olympic, uh, he was a four-by-100-meter relay champion, but he wasn't a very good football player. Hayes was better than that, but I loved what uh, Wayne Larravee once described during a Bears game, talking about the ice bowl. Bob Hayes, the Cowboys receiver, was afraid of, hated the cold more than anybody on the Dallas roster that day. Stood on the sidelines with his hands in his pants and caught only two balls all day. I'm serious. Wayne said that. Caught only two balls all day with his hands in his pants. Get it? Ah, Lambeau Field. I've been there for some really good Bears and Packers games, meaningful games, and games that swung fortunes, and games that live in infamy. And as I take you down my memory lane of, of Packers bears games at Lambeau, it starts in 89 with my first trip to Lambeau field. And that was the Mikowski over the line game. Don Mikowski, the Packers quarterback trying to rally his team from a 13 to seven deficit in the final minute of the game, 33 seconds or so the Packers had the ball fourth and goal from the bears 14 yard line. Fourth and goal from the 14. And Mikowski scrambles around, and he gets near the line of scrimmage, and he slings the ball into the hands of Sterling Sharp, number 84, who had beaten Lemonhead Stinson, I think, Lemuel Stinson, wore two jersey numbers with the Bears, 36 and 32. And it, it, it originally was called a touchdown. Then there's, there's, there's thought there's going to be review. There's confusion on the field. There's a long delay before Chris Jackie trots out to kick the PAT. Green Bay kicks the PAT. Packers win the game 14-13. to Mikowski to this day maintaining he was not over the line. It was the only time in my life I ever interviewed Ron Rivera and had to doctor the audio afterward to take some vulgarity out of it because the Bears linebacker, long before he was the Washington Commander's headmaster, at least for another week, um, 
he was hot and he dropped F-bombs in the uh, Bears locker room at Lambeau Field, which has been renovated. The locker rooms are much nicer than they used to be. The home locker room used to suck. It was that bad in the 80s when I first started going to games there. But the Mikowski over the line game, Packers winning that game. First Sunday in November 1989, a terrible Bears season, one that had them finishing 6-10. and 10. Lindy Infante and the Packers muscle that one out over the Bears, one of the bigger ones. Uh, and what a way to break in to covering Bears and Packers games. Mikowski over the line. And Packers fans, when Bears players, I was standing right by the tunnel, right on the field when they're going into the tunnel after the game. Packers fans were pelting the Bears with uh, with beverages. I didn't see any cans or bottles, but there was a lot of lot of liquid that was flying in the air and a lot of a uh, lot of vulgarity, which would kind of counter what I said earlier about how nice Green Bay people are if they're throwing beer at Bears players. But like I said, alcohol makes you do dumb things. So I'm blaming it on the booze. Number two of my Bears Packers memories at Lambeau Field would be 1997 on opening night when Brian Cox and the Bears had a chance to to start fresh and Cox was irate on the Bears' sideline. It was Monday Night Football, the season opener, and uh, the Bears got shelled 38-24. to 24. I had seats in the north end zone with my wife, Jill, my first wife, and we tailgated outside uh, the Stadium View Sports Bar right across the street from Lambeau Field on Oneida, not on Oneida, on Lombardi Avenue, now as it intersects Holmgren Way, and Ray Nitschke, the legendary Packer was a guest on our show that afternoon. Terry Boards and I hosted from Stadium View and uh, grilled swordfish steaks afterward. And Ray Nitschke, number 66, called George Hallis a cheap son of a bitch and uh, said he hated the Bears. And he died a year later. It was a great interview, and I'm glad I got to meet and interview Ray Nitschke. Bears got shelled that night. Terrible start to that season. And then I take you to 09 for the last one. Just a few years ago when Jay Cutler made his debut in a Bears uniform, there was excitement all over Chicagoland in March of 09 when Jerry Angelo consummated that deal with the Denver Broncos. The Bears give up a couple of first-round picks, but the Messiah is coming. Jay Cutler's on his way. Very few people in Chicago said, proceed with caution on this dude. I was one of two voices in the wilderness. And I was in extreme wilderness because I was between jobs at that point. I had not returned yet to the score. I'd been fired by ESPN in January of 09. So in March of 09, Angelo makes that deal. Uh, I had my Sun-Times column, a weekly column in the Sun-Times, as was Rick Morrissey at that time. And Morrissey and I were the only voices out there saying, hang on a second. Why in the world would the Broncos be parting with a 25, 26-year-old first-round draft pick after just three seasons? This guy must be an asshole. This guy has to be a clubhouse cancer. And that was what was proven to be correct with Jay Cutler. Million-dollar arm but a 10-cent head. So Cutler and the Bears open the season against the Packers that Sunday night on NBC, and Cutler throws four picks. The Bears got shelled. I don't remember the final score. It doesn't matter. Brian Urlacher broke his wrist in that game and was out for the season, ruled out for the year the very next morning. And I pronounced the Bears DOA. They they cannot win without their best defensive player 
and you throw in the fact you have a quarterback who starts his career with a four-pick game against your division rivals, including one to nose tackle Johnny Jolly. That's right, Johnny Jolly, number 97. Cuddy hit him right between the nine and the seven on that big green chest of his. Hey, hey, there's the hoochie. I'll take one of these. Four picks for Cutler. Bears got crushed that night. They limped through the season. They couldn't stop the run against anybody that year. Cedric Benson, the late Cedric Benson of the Bengals, wound up having a career day against the Bears. 174 yards, or maybe that was the Ray Zellers count when Ray Zellers had his Edgar Bennett-like day for the New Orleans Saints against the Bears in 96. But he had a huge day running against the Bears in 0-9, and that season was terrible. Uh, they managed to win more games than they should have, but they didn't go play often. And uh, it all started at Lambeau Field. Jay Cutler, four picks. Lambeau Field, the Ice Bowl. The Packers win over the Seahawks in the playoffs in 08, which wound up being Brett Favre's final win in a Green Bay uniform. It was the week before they were defeated by the Giants in the NFC title game. The Giants go on and win the Super Bowl that year, but Favre's last playoff win was against Seattle, and I was at Lambeau Field for that. I was lucky enough to be a guest in the presidential suite. My agent at the time, Brian Harlan, his father, Bob Harlan, was the outgoing Packers uh, president of operations and had been employed by the team for uh, 30 years or so, and uh, that was a blast. And to go into the press box and to to hang out behind Wayne Larravee and Larry Rock McCarran as they were doing the game in that era on WTMJ Radio out of Milwaukee. Wayne is old school. He has to have the windows open. It's January. It's the playoffs. The snow is falling from south to north in Lambeau Field, and Ryan Grant, the Packers running back out of Notre Dame, is just having his way with the Seattle defense. Green Bay won that game 42 to 20. I had the Packers and the over. I was sipping single malt scotch and had pocket party as well and was on top of the world. And standing behind Larravee describing the game with the open windows as the snow is falling on the emerald turf of Lambeau Field, which is 97% natural, 3% synthetic, uh, and is heated, by the way. So there is no longer a frozen tundra. That's That's been proved wrong. But John Facenda, you said it great. So that was a, that was a fun one, too. And I, I think I've only been back there once since that win over the Seahawks, and that was the game against uh, – that was the game against Cutler. Cutler and the Packers in 0-9, that loss. It, not, it hasn't gone the Bears' way many times when I've covered games or just attended as a fan at Lambeau Field. Week 18 is going to be a blast. Divisions being decided this weekend. The AFC South, rev it up. Is it the Texans or is it the Colts? Is Cleveland going to show up and play against Cincinnati? They're getting a touchdown and kind of got to like Cleveland on the road in this one. Divisional games that mean things. They got it right when they switched to this a few years ago. As much as it sucks when they don't mean anything, I think it's worth it to have a few throwaways, but a lot of games that do mean something within divisions in week 18. 
it's better than closing the season for the Bears against the Houston Texans, which they did 15 or so, 18 years or so ago, and got eliminated from the playoffs. You lose to the Texans, Andre Johnson, still celebrating. Thank you so very much for listening to this edition of the Danny Mac Podcast. I'll be back on Black Monday with a look at what happens with the Bears and other coaching positions around the NFL. I'm expecting Rivera to get popped uh, by the Commanders. I, I, I don't know if there will be any news on what the Chargers are going to do, what the Raiders are going to do, whether Antonio Pierce has earned that job. There's a lot of people who are politicking for him to get it. What about Bill Belichick? Does that announcement come Monday? So I'm, I'm going to hang tight. I might not drop as early as I typically do on Mondays because uh, there, there may be news that comes down a little bit later than usual, but probably have it up and running no later than 11 o'clock. Adam Delavitt is the guy who makes it all happen for the Bet Rivers Podcast Network. I am executively produced by the KC Wolf of Northwest Indiana. That's Sam Michael thanking Alex Pastor for everything he does with social media. Troy Mocker with research and development and Randy Merkin who handles the guests we get here on the Danny Mac Podcast. Thank you so very much for listening. Back Monday. Have a great week 18. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Danny Mac Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network.